Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Because being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable if you do the work. Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Welcome to episode 13 with special guest Danielle Krissa from The Jealous Curator, brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Okay, you guys, we are so excited to bring you our first interview with my dear friend, Danielle Krissa, aka The Jealous Curator. But first, a couple announcements. One, we are on YouTube, so if you want the full uncut bloopers and all version of this podcast, or you simply want to see what color our lipstick is, go to YouTube and check it out. Um, We also have a secret episode recorded. It's all about cultivating confidence, and we will be launching that to our newsletter subscribers only. So if you're not getting our newsletters, go to lovebeingboss.com and sign up so that you can get that secret podcast and more exclusive content from us as we grow. Okay, back to Danielle. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Um, I've been reading the jealous. I'm going to Instagram us. Hang on. Oh, nice. Okay. Smile. Okay. Great. Um, okay. (laughs) So I've been reading Danielle's blog, which is the jealous curator for years, probably since I, it feels like the beginning. Um, and I have loved watching Danielle go from writing a daily blog to launching her book, creative block. She also has a second book called Collage. Is that right, Danielle? Yep. yep. Second book. And then she's working on something else, which we'll talk about later. Um, But at Jealous Curator, um, Danielle posts an artist a day. And she's really gone from that to um, writing some books. So Creative Block um, is where Danielle has curated some advice, ideas, and projects from 50 successful artists. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that later. Um, But Danielle has also gone on to give talks and keynotes for companies like Pixar. And who else have you? You talk, you speak at Alt Summit, I know Mm -hmm. for sure. Where else are you speaking Um, at? I'm doing a Creative Mornings talk next Friday. That's right. Vancouver, right? In Vancouver, Vancouver. yeah, the Vancouver chapter. And I've spoken at lots of schools and art groups and whoever calls, basically. Oprah called. I got to go hey, down yo. to LA and shoot a bunch of segments for own show. So that was pretty cool. Snap. That's awesome. I know. So pretty much your big deal, but I also feel I really like am. I really you've am. gone <laughs> <laughs> you've gone from being the jealous curator on your blog to being a real deal cur- curator mm. and really an advocate for artists. Um, and are we allowed to talk about one of your clients that you do art buying for that you told me about last time we were chatting? Probably not yet. Okay. So we won't talk about them, but she um, helps some really big deals furnish their homes with art. So I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, I met Danielle whenever I was reading and regularly commenting on her blog years ago, and I had no idea who she was because she was completely anonymous. I didn't know if she was a guy or a gal or what her deal was, but on my birthday, she sent me a sweet little note just saying happy birthday, and that was whenever I think I turned 29, so it was at least, maybe it was even 28. 
Yeah, I think it must it was, have been like five years ago. Yep, four or five years ago. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that's how we met, and we've been friends ever since. So mm-hmm. it is a lesson in if you guys want to cultivate your creative pack, like comment on the people you admire, comment on their blogs, because you can end up becoming great buddies. So anyway, um, Danielle. Yes, Kathleen. <laughs> Tell us your story. Sure. Um, so I'll go back a little bit further than that even. Um, so I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Visual Arts um, from way back and um, had a really terrible experience right before I graduated and um, basically just cut art out of my life for, oh, like 15 years or so. And I went on and became a graphic designer. And so that's sort of where my creativity... Wait, what was the experience? Like, was it a mean (laughs) professor or... I was a very mean professor five weeks before I graduated in a very confusing series of critiques. He'd hated me all for my whole four years. And then six weeks before I graduated, I showed my work in a critique for my grad show. And I was ready to be bashed because that's how it went. And he loved it. And he went on and on and on. He'd never seen anything like this. And I was like, oh my God, you know, six weeks before graduation and I finally figured it out. So the next week, there was a visiting artist from New York and he asked three people to show their work. And so I I volunteered because I just had the best crit of my life. And I put up the exact same five pieces and it was meant to be a 10 minute crit. It was 30 minutes and they tore me apart, including my prof. And I was normally quite used to defending myself but I was so shocked because it had been so glowing the week before and um I couldn't even defend myself I could feel myself you know you get all blotchy and I could feel like that lump in my throat and like crying would have been even worse so I just sat there and took it for 30 minutes and around the 23 minute mark I was a painting major and he said quote you should never paint again (gasps) no five weeks before I graduated from a Bachelor of Fine Arts as a painting major. <laughs> you should send him a copy of all of your books. I know. I should. I should dedicate the next one to him. Oh my God! You should. Well, I wouldn't have a book deal without him. Oh. If he hadn't broken me, I wouldn't have had anything to climb back from. And so, yeah. So after that happened, I mean, I tried for about a year to make work, and every time I painted, I would just hear, you should never paint again. And slowly over time, I realized now, you know, with hindsight that his voice became my inner critic. I'd never really had an inner critic before that. And now it's just my inner critic. But if I really think back to the root of it, it was him. It was that moment and just put that huge self-doubt in me. And so anyway, I ignored art for, yeah, like 15 years or so. And uh, I became a graphic designer and I was the top of my field. I was a creative director. I was winning awards. Um, All good. So I could just happily ignore art. Um, And then when I stayed home to have my son, I decided not to go back to creative directing. I decided to be a mama for five years. And uh, when Charlie was about two and a half, I was going mental. (laughs) Love him very much. But you can only handle Dora for so long. And I just really needed a creative outlet. And so I thought, well, now maybe now is the time to get back into art. And I always say that not only had Charlie been born, but so had the internet. So I started Googling around for artists that I loved, and boy, did I find them. And it it set me back in a way, because it just felt like, oh, man, everything has been done in every color, 
and better than I could ever do it. So who am I fooling? And I just got really depressed and yeah, it was just awful. And so I had this giant bookmarks list. And, um, and so my husband, who happens to be a social media strategist, said, um, you know, he said, you should start a blog. And he said, you know, you're so visual, turn this bookmarks list into something visual and just put it out there. Cause he said, this jealousy is literally eating you alive. And he said, but if you say it out loud, you'll turn it into admiration. Mm-hmm. And he was right. And so I, because I'm a branding expert, I spent ages working on my logo. Like I was procrastinating, like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> Finally launched the blog and, um, it was for nobody but for me. I never planned to have a community. I just um, wrote when Charlie was napping, and if I found someone I loved, I posted it. And it was just more of a catalog for me. And then all of a sudden, followers started showing up from New York and San Francisco and London. And I was just like, oh, okay. So then I started writing every day, and then magazines started writing articles, and it just completely took off. And... Yeah, so then it it sort of morphed from there because I realized that I could be this voice. And I started to realize that I am not the only one that felt so alone in all of that inner critic self-doubt thing. For years, I thought I was the only one that felt like, like, how narcissistic is that? But I truly thought that I was the only one that felt like that. And Jealous Curator has made me see, I mean, it's been six years now, and it's made me see that, God, every creative person feels exactly the same. Even the ones that have, you know, quote unquote, made it have those days. Oh, it's so true. And I remember a turning point um, whenever you got really explicit, because you have said on your About Me page, like the jealous curator is like, oh, I wish I had thought of that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of that more like admiration jealousy. But I remember there being a turning point in your blog whenever maybe it was one of your artist friends was feeling really down and you did a post just for her and got what hundreds of comments asking other creatives to share their experiences of being blocked. And yeah, tell me more about that. That was, yeah, that was a huge turning point that was so crazy because it's led to everything else. And it was kind of an accident. I was just trying to support a friend. So there was a um, mom friend that I had that, you know, we, our kids played together and she was an artist too. So in the playground, we'd always talk about art. And one day the kids were playing and she was crying because she was just like, I, she has an Etsy shop and she hadn't had sales in a while. And she said, you know, when I sell stuff or when I'm making work and people are liking it, she said, I feel like a rock star, but not just a rock star artist. She said, I feel like a better mom. I feel like a better wife. I feel like a better person. And she said, and when my sales are down, I feel like a shitty mom. Oh, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> we have a little explicit button next, okay, to our, <laughs> next to our podcast on iTunes. Like I feel like everyone else cusses in their podcast, but they don't have that. But right. it allows us to it, feel it like it slips can, out every now and we then. Let it as much as we okay. let it fly. Um, so she said, I feel like a shitty mom and a shitty wife and just a bad person when my art's not selling. And I was trying to convince her in the playground that everyone feels like that. And she just wasn't buying what I was selling. So I said, okay, fine. I'm going to write a post about this, which is very unlike Jell's Curator. Jell's Curator is always just several works by an artist that I love, a paragraph about why I love them, and a link back to their site. So this was a huge departure. So the post is actually called um, Jealous and Alone, or Maybe Not. And so I just wrote the story I just told you guys and said, you know, okay, everybody, chime in. 
and let her know that she is not alone. Well, the comments were amazing and they weren't just like, you know, little hang in there. They were paragraphs. And I started, like, I recognized a lot of the, the people that were commenting were like full-time working artists in New York um, who I'd written about in the past who were like, wow. hell yes, I feel like that every single day. And it kind of shocked me because Lori and I are both like sort of, you know, we're artists, but amateur. And these full-time, like, serious people who are rep by galleries were feeling the same as us. And so I was up there responding to all the comments, and it was like 2 in the morning. And I said to my husband, Greg, I, you know, I was like, oh, I just, you know, when a post gets old, a couple days later, like, people stop commenting, and the conversation dies. And I was like, I cannot let this conversation die. And it was like 2 in the morning, and I was like, I'll do workshops. And so that launched the series of workshops I did called Girl Crush, where I traveled all around the U.S. to various cities, and I hosted them at the studio of a female artist, and I'd have 12 to 15 women in that city come, and we'd basically spend the whole day talking about exactly this. And it was amazing. I think I ended up doing seven by the time I was, I needed to take a break from mm-hmm. them. And I went to the one in Austin, Austin yeah. with Allison Fox, mm-hmm. and it was so amazing just to really get together in person and thank you for facilitating that but even more so okay so this is funny um Danielle and I have been roommates at Alt Summit together and the second year that we were roommates together the year before she had roomied with our friend Jeanette yes um and like a week later Jeanette was pregnant and so then the next year at Alt Danielle is like better watch out you're gonna get pregnant if you (laughs) you know, share a bed with me. And I was like, okay, I didn't. But the day after Austin, the Austin, I think that's when it happened. I I think that's when I got pregnant. So you're welcome. I'm never coming to see you. If anyone's (laughs) looking to get pregnant, just hang out with Danielle for a day. Yeah. It doesn't take long. (laughs) I'm quick. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you had the girl crush yeah, and so they were really amazing for me. Like, I, they were sort of like a one night stand because it would twelve or fifteen women would come together that rarely knew each other. Like maybe a couple of friends would come together, but generally people didn't know each other. So they would just say everything, and yeah. people cried, and like they just put all the shit out there and just oh my god, it was so emotional and cathartic. Um, but what was interesting for me because I actually attended all of them. So San Francisco was my first one at Lisa Congdon's studio, and I was so overwhelmed by how open everybody was and the topics that came up about self-doubt and inner critics and all this stuff. Then I went to Seattle. It was exactly the same conversations. (laughs) Then I went to Portland, and it was exactly the same conversations. Every single place I went, and and at that time, I had just gotten the book deal for Creative Block, And it just made me realize, like, wow, all of these people feel the same way, and they all feel like they're alone. Mm -hmm. And the women that hosted, they were all full-time working artists, and they were chiming right in on the conversations, too. They all had self-doubt. They all have that inner critic telling them that they suck. And I thought, wow, I think, you know, I really wanted to share this with the world as much as I could. And, And, you know, this book deal with Chronicle allowed me to do that because when Chronicle approached me, they actually approached me at Alt. Um, and they said, you know, we love the way you write. We love your taste. You can basically do whatever you want. What do you want to do? And I think everybody kind of thought I would do a, uh, like a coffee table book, right. And just showcasing all of the art. 
But I thought, you know, I've got this insane opportunity to be published all over the world saying whatever I want. And I thought, if I can just help one other person realize that they're not alone in this, that book will be a huge success. And so that's why I did Creative Block. And it's just been so, I mean, the emails I get from people who said, you know, I haven't made anything in 15 years and now I'm making again. And like, I just sit at my computer and cry. <laughs> it's just the most overwhelming. Like, I'm so blessed and grateful and just, yeah, I can't believe this is all happening. One thing I love about, well, Girl Crush and meeting Allison Fox, who's an incredibly successful artist with, um, she's done a line for West Elm and you know, lots of collaborations. And even um, in Creative Block is that you assume that once you make it big, like, you're just big. Yeah. And then that's You've got that. it made. Yeah. But the thing is, is that everyone is still hustling all the time Mm -hmm. and everyone has to work really hard no matter, like a lot of it is perception, you know? And, um, I don't know. So I thought that that was something really amazing that I learned is that, you know, even Allison who had had this line at West Elm, she's still hustling and she's still like, okay, how am I going to pay the bills? You know, and we're we're all trying to keep our lights on. Well, yeah. And that's what creative block, um, you know, I didn't have the answers at that stage in my life to fill 300 pages. Um, but I thought, you know what, these 50 artists that I reached out to are all full-time working, have it made, you know, artists. And I thought, but they're human beings. So they Mm -hmm. must have doubts. And so I sent them all the same interview with about 17 questions and they were hard questions. (laughs) Like, do you equate your self-worth with your work? Um, People wrote me back and they were like, dang, like, I thought this was going to be like, what's your favorite color? (laughs) And, um, and one of the questions I asked was, do you hear your inner critic? And before I sent them the interview, I actually had a hesitation of, should I send that question? Because I felt like such an amateur. Like I thought they were going to be write me back and be like, inner what? No, like you amateur loser. Um, and all of them wrote me back and were like, yes. And I hate that guy. And he never shuts up. And it was just this huge, like, I don't know, revelation to me that I was like, wow, they have that voice too? Like, I thought I just had that voice. But these people who have shows all over the world and are selling to collectors and whatever have that little voice. And that was a huge um, moment for, like, a big aha moment for me. And I hope it's a big aha moment for other people so that they don't beat themselves up for hearing that voice. I have a question about actually writing the book and reaching out to the artists that, I mean, even, even on this podcast, like reaching out to you, you're a good friend of mine. And even being, I I, I almost said, no, can I interview you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We, we talked about sending you that email for probably a month and a half before it was actually sent. It, it took a while, I know. So anyway, I, I am terrified of rejection. So can you speak a little bit about like asking these big deal artists, like including Wayne White and Lisa Congdon and some really amazing people? How was it asking them and how many rejections did you get? Well, I put my dream list together. I had a, my dream list of 50 and then I had a backup five. And again, right before I sent all the emails, I said to my editor, Kate Woodrow, who's amazing. I said, um, I'm kind of scared to send it to Wayne White and Trey Spiegel. Those were the two that I was like really scared to send it to. And she's like, who cares? Like the worst that's going to happen is either the A, they're not going to write you back or B, they're going to write you back and say no. 
And, you know, how bad is that? So I was like, okay. So I sent it. Wayne and Trey were the first two to write me back. Oh my gosh. And they both and they said, said yes. Absolutely. Like that's so, wonderful. Just so generous of, you know, with their information and just so helpful. They didn't ask to be paid. They just were, they just wanted to answer these questions. Yeah. Um, so that gave me a lot of confidence after I got that. I had two people say no and they were women who had just had babies. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I hear you sister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't have time to like brush your hair or go pee. I get it. You, you don't have time to write an interview. Um, so that was fine. And then, so I asked the next two people on my backup and they both said yes. So wow. I, I mean, I felt really blessed going into it. I kind of couldn't believe that they all said yes and that they were so responsive. And, and then I started getting the interviews back. Um, and, oh, see, and I cried again because I couldn't believe how honest they all were. Because, like, lots of them have big agents, right, who I thought were going to be like, don't answer that one, you know. Right. And they all did. They all said, you know, I have my dark days or, you know, yeah, my inner critic's an asshole or, you know, X, Y, and Z. And they, they told me the truth. And I think that's what is so valuable, valuable about this book is that because they were so hard on sleeve and so open about it, when other people read the book, you actually get so much out of it because it makes you realize that you're just part of the same club with these guys. Yeah. You know, if these guys have inner critics and self-doubt and so do you, it's kind of cool. Like it kind of means that you're in the same club with like Wayne White and Trey Spiegel. And that's a pretty good club to be in. So you spent a lot of time collecting other people's truths and that is amazing. And then you have a second book, which is more of the coffee table yeah. book, but with a twist. Yeah. So that is collage mm -hmm. where you, how many artists do you have participate in There's that one? There's 30 in that one. And so I was about three months into creative block and, um, another editor, um, <laughs> from Chronicle called and said, Hey, you want to do another book? while I was doing creative block and they know like I do collage. And so they knew that that's sort of my favorite medium. And they said, you know, there's a lot of books coming out on collage. It's a really hot new, you know, well, it's not a new medium, but it's sort of trendy right now. And they said, they sent me like four or five books from other publishers and said, this is what's out there. Could you do it? But with a twist, like, is there something different you could do? And I said, yes, because I'd had this idea for a show and instead I just did it for the book. Um, what I love so much about found image collage is that a found image you get from a magazine or a book, but you give it to a bunch of different artists and they're going to make 30 completely different works with that exact same image. So that's what I did. I reached out to 30 um, collage artists from all over the world, men and women from everywhere and said, here's this image, do whatever you want with it. You can use a tiny little sliver, you can use the whole thing, whatever mm. you want. And so they just went for it. And it was really cool because I ended up using a photo of my dad and my uncle from when they were kids because it didn't cost me any money. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would have had to pay really big royalties if I'd used some, you know, something from the, you know, right. public. And uh, so my dad was like, yeah, so now I've got this book filled with all these pictures using my dad and my uncle. That's so sweet. Yeah. How do your dad and uncle, like, did they feel famous? I, my dad loved it. <laughs> my That's dad loved it. so fun. Yeah. And so that was happening at the same time. So I had 50 artists going for Creative Block, 30 going for Collage. And some of them are in the same, like, so there's a couple of overlaps. So I am not an Excel spreadsheet kind of gal. 
my God, I had so many Excel spreadsheets going. People were sending me stuff and I'm like, what was that for? And which, which bio is this? And oh my God, I, I will never do two books at the same time again. It was yeah. crazy. <laughs> it was really fun, but I was just like, I felt like I was hurting cats. It was just crazy. And right. so, um, yeah, so now I'm just doing the new book. Okay, so only the, the new book. book. Yeah. So Creative Block came out a year, Creative Block came out a year ago in March 2014. Collage came out in September of 2014. So that was a crazy year. And now I signed the book deal for the new one in November. So I've got about just shy of a year to write it. And then it'll be out on shelves fall 2016. What's it about? Well, so Creative Block has done really well, which is so exciting. Did I tell you I found it at the MoMA gift shop? Yes. No way. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It's like, I just get excited whenever I get recognized at the grocery store. But like, if I saw my thing that I made. Well, what was even more exciting was that I didn't find it at the moment. I got there and I thought, I wonder if it's here, you know? So I kind of like looked around and this is my first time in New York in my entire life. And I go to the moment gift shop, look around and I didn't, I didn't see it. So I was like, ah, bummer, you know? So I said to the guy working there, I don't suppose you have a book called Creative Block. And he looks at, he goes, oh yeah. And he looks on the computer, he goes, oh, sorry, it's sold out. <gasps> I was like, what? Sold out at the moment. So then at what point were you like, oh, I'm the author? Well, I, he like, said. What, what did you say? Well, there's an, another little bookshop on the second floor at MoMA, but you need to have bought a ticket. You need to have been in the gallery to go to that one. Oh, and okay. so he said, actually, he goes, I think there might be a couple upstairs. Let me just quickly call up. So he called up. Yep. Oh, there's three copies up there. Okay. So he said, can you put one on hold for this woman? Cause I was going to come back to the gallery to do the gallery the next day. And he said, can you put one on hold for her till tomorrow? And I said, Oh, I don't want to buy it. And he was like, what? He's on the phone. <laughs> and I said, no, I just want to take a picture of it. And he was like, why? And I said, well, I wrote it. And he was like, what? He's like, hang on, I'm coming up. And he ran up there and he got one of the books. And so I'm waiting for him to come back down. And I'm having this moment in my mind, like, I'm like, oh man, what if it's not my book? Like, what if it's another <laughs> book called Creative And I was like, totally going to fake that it was mine if it wasn't. Like, oh yeah, there it is. Because it would just be humiliating otherwise. But he came down, he held, you know, came down the stairs and he holds it up. He's like, is this it? And I was like, yeah, and it was my book. And so he took me outside and he took a picture of me in front of the MoMA sign <laughs> holding my book. And um, it was crazy. It was just like, like, how do you top that, you know? Um so when you go into like the bookstore and like put it, like move it. I do. I always place. angle it out so that it's not just the spine. Just quickly, <laughs> quickly face do you ever like sign them and leave secret notes? No. That's, you but have to do that. You I have know. to like leave a secret note. I should. The, the bookstores aren't allowed to return them if they're signed. So maybe I should just sign them all and they'll never be able to return them. Who's like buying books and returning them? No, like if the, when the book, when like Barnes and Noble buys them. If they don't sell, oh. they send them back to the publisher. Oh, But I if see. they're signed, they can't send them back. Yeah, sign them all. So I should just sign, sign them all. all of them. <laughs> but they're, it's in its, like, I think sixth run or something like that. It's wow. just gone crazy. So um, so Chronicle called. My, my um, editor, Kate, called, and she said, we need to do a follow-up. Like, it's doing so well. Let's do a follow-up. And so we kind of talked about what that might be, and I sort of pitched this idea for another interview book, but this time reaching out to, like, writers and musicians and not just visual art because I realized in this last year and a bit that it's universal. It's not just art, right? And 
So I pitched that and I knew it wasn't quite right. Like I knew it was like 85% there, but I thought, well, she's an editor. She can figure out how to fix it. <laughs> and she called me and she said, yeah, it's not quite there. And I was like, I know. And so she said, you know what I think you need to do? And I said, no. And she said, you need to write this book. No more interviews, you writing 10 chapters. And I just went silent. And I said, do you really think I can pull that off? And she said, um, there's this book you should read. It's called Creative Block. <laughs> she said, I think you're having issues with your inner critic. Um, and so it is, I'm writing it. I'm, I'm three chapters and an intro down. Um, and so it's basically 10 truths about what it means to be a creative person. And I'm just writing all of the stories that I like heard from people like when I spoke at Pixar and when I talked to students and I'm just sort of gleaning all of these stories and putting in my own um, views. And then there's a lot of advice and tips and tricks that I've been, you know, that people have told me. Like I've had insane aha moments in the last year for my own artwork. And I just feel like I want this book to be the same. I feel like I'm the only one having those aha moments because I'm the one going to all these events. And I want to share those aha moments with all of my readers so that they can also make this giant breakthrough that I've kind of been able to make. And right. so, um, and so I, but it was still really important to me that it be a really beautiful book because, um, you know, I like pretty things right. and I'm, I'm a bit of a flipper through books. And mm -hmm. so, um, I pitched Martha Rich to illustrate it. Do you know yeah. Martha's work? She's like one I of my I've favorite painters. I think I've seen on your blog. Yeah, right? I think you I've written about her like five curator. times. Yeah. She's in Creative Block. And her work is really edgy and hilarious. And so she is illustrating the whole book. So she's doing full bleed um, paintings for the intro to each chapter. And then she's doing like little spot illustrations throughout. And it is going to be hilarious and beautiful. And like, I, I, it's so exciting. I but, love it. Okay, can you give us one or two of the truths, or do we need to wait for the book? I don't know if I'm allowed. Well, um, I'll give you the general idea okay. of a couple. So, like, one chapter is all about how important it is to share your work with other people mm. and not to create in a vacuum because nothing good happens in a vacuum. So it's talking, like, you know, personal stories about that and then also, like, how to share and when not to share. Like, with social Ooh. media, like, a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I guess I'm supposed to put this on Pinterest and Instagram and tweet it out. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes you shouldn't show your art if it's not at a place where you don't want feedback from internet trolls. <laughs> yeah. Because that might completely stop you in your track. So like, don't go there. That doesn't, that's not what I mean by sharing. So I kind of go in and talk about things like that. And um, there's a chapter all about criticism and how to deal with it. And the fact that, you know, positive criticism, or like I, I prefer to call it feedback, is actually the most valuable thing you can have as a creative person. But then how do you handle the negative criticism and how do you know what to filter and keep and get rid of and all this stuff? So it's just sort of things like that, how to handle all of that. And um, it was so funny though when I, I was so pumped to do this and Kate had so much faith in me and I thought, I didn't feel much pressure because like I'm not a writer. Right. <laughs> you know, if I was supposed to create a full solo show of artwork, I would be shitting my pants, but I was like, oh, book, you know, I'm not a writer. How hard can this be? I'll just, you know, do but it. How's, how's that going for you? Not really good. <laughs> because you're like, I'll just hammer it out like a blog post. Yeah, like a 30,000 word blog post. 
which I normally write like a maybe a 250 word blog post. Okay, so what is your creative process? How are you tackling it? Okay, so I live in a really pretty little town on a lake. And a friend of mine from high school owns this really beautiful restaurant right on the lake. So I thought, well, every Thursday I'm going to go and like they give me this little corner booth and they just take care of me. And I face the water and I go there from 11 till 6 every, every Thursday. Um, I had my little, I, have a, I, got, I bought this, my hot pink oh. moleskin. That's important. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's nothing in it. <laughs> um, but it's super pretty. This is my author book. And so I went down to my little place and I cracked open Microsoft Word and had a full-blown panic attack. <gasps> Heart racing, cheeks sweating, staring at the rectangle of Microsoft Word. And I was like, oh my God, like I can't do this. And I'd signed the contract, but I hadn't like been paid anything yet. And so I was sitting there going, right, I'll just call Kate tell them to stop payment like, and rip up the contract because I can't do this. I cried a tiny bit. Oh, no. Wait, did you cry at the restaurant? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, public tears. Yeah. Well, it was okay. I was kind of in a section by myself. So, no, and I just – and uh, I thought, right, I'm just going to write this. And so I just started writing. I'm like, I am having a full-blown panic attack because – I thought this would be easy and this is not easy and this big white rectangle of Microsoft Word and this little cursor that's like fuck you you can't do it you know and um I just wrote that and I wrote my intro in like an hour because it just I was just honest yeah and so I was like well that felt kind of good and so I sent that to Kate and she was like I love it just keep doing that and so I've just been very like I think I was trying to be like, I am an author now, you know, right. like, I need to write a book and I, and I, I had no frame of reference. So I was trying to be so fancy and, um, she said, people just want the voice they know on the blog. Like actually mm-hmm. when I sent the first chunk of creative block in, <laughs> I had a book deal. So I got all like society's view on the bloody blah blah <laughs> and that was the chunk that I had to send the first chunk in and normally Kate just emails me she phoned me and she said yeah um we hired the jealous curator I'm not sure who wrote this <gasps> and so I didn't even edit it I just threw it away I just threw it away and she said like, just pretend it's a giant blog post like yeah and I with when I the way I blog is I just write it's the same with you Kathleen like I just write the way I talk. And she said, it's just a book full of that. Like, don't get all in your head about it. And, and so now I've handed in the intro and the first two chapters and I'm working on the third chapter right now. And she loves it and she's so happy with it. And I sent it to Martha so that she could, you know, it would, you know, give her ideas for the um, illustrations. And she called me and said, Oh my God, I feel like you're in my head. Which was such a huge validation, you know, to know that like this working artist was like, oh God, I feel, I feel like all of those things that you're saying. So now I feel a lot more comfortable and I'm just going to go for it. Um, I am having like slight panic attack about the fact, I mean, luckily it's not until fall 2016, but when it comes out, I just feel like much more vulnerable than with creative block. Like creative Mm. block was a series of interviews. Um, not really me writing really. I think I wrote the questions The the artist answered the questions and beautiful art. Like I kind of felt like 
who can slam that? Like, it's not, you know, but now okay, I... question, did anyone slam Creative no. Block? Did it get any bad reviews? No, I mean, not one. Because it's, it's all, amazing. It's only gotten positive feedback. So that's what I'm used to. <laughs> and then now... <laughs> you set the bar high for I, yourself. Yeah, I kind of screwed myself. And so now I'm really scared because I'm not a writer and I'm writing 10 chapters and I'm just... Suddenly, it's very meta. <laughs> like I'm writing this book about being vulnerable and and sharing and putting your work out there, and I am freaking out about being vulnerable and sharing my right. work and putting it out there. So as I'm writing, it's just like you know, my inner critic is like, "You suck. You think you can write a book? You're an idiot." And like, dee dee dee, you keep writing. You know. Uh. So it's a really weird process, but I think I'm growing a lot. And hopefully some people will say nice things and I will just have to read the criticism chapter and <laughs> feel okay about if there's any negative criticism. Okay. So one way that I handle negative criticism is I will go to like Beyonce's YouTube channel yeah. and I will look at her comments. And if even Beyonce is getting negative trolls, like she's perfection. Oh my God. So if I people might have are slamming Beyonce, it's like anyone will slam anything or, you know, and on a, I mean, Beyonce for real, I really do do that. I love it. But then also, um, you know, even like Amy Poehler, for example, yeah. her book, Yes, Please. Have yes. you read it yet? I've read little chunks of it. Yeah. I, it's, it's on my birthday list. I love it. I love it so much. And you know, even she gets negative reviews. So really great people. And, you know, who was it that said, um, if you, <laughs> I shouldn't quote, I shouldn't pull quotes <laughs> on my head because I never know them. But like, <laughs> if you do nothing, you know, you won't get critis- criticized. Right. You know, so you can just hide under a rock and not stick your neck out. But where's that going to get you? I know. I, even I, though sometimes I totally feel like hiding under a rock. Yeah. I think I'm going to feel like hiding under a rock in like September of 2016, you know, until the first couple of reviews come in or, I mean, the important thing is for my readers, right? Like I really don't like, you know, critics are going to say what they're going to say. But if I, if I get a few of those letters from my readers who say, oh my God, I felt like you were inside my head. Good. Good enough. You know, I don't need to please everybody. You, you you know, and that's what I tell everybody else. You, you can't make art that everyone in the world is going to like. Otherwise imagine how, lame that art would be right it would have to be so middle of the road you know oatmeal for everyone to like Like it just it's impossible so why on earth am I putting that pressure on myself it it makes no sense but yeah that is how the creative brain works unfortunately I know it's like we all know that we have to give people permission to not like us in order to do our best work but it still sucks whenever someone doesn't like you it still sucks to get made fun of it still sucks to get a bad review yeah Emily and I just got our first two-star review on the podcast the other day and we noticed whoever it was that listened probably not listening whoever left that and didn't even bother writing a review you just gave us two stars like (laughs) We've got your number. Not really. We don't, but we don't care either. We're calling you um, out. Um, okay, so we're gonna patch you in. Yeah, we, we have a few things to say. Day. What was that? Two Why don't you give us about? a link to your podcast? That's right. I know, right? What are you doing with your life? Oh, this is bad. This is like how like we really handle our criticism is we have a chat with our girlfriends like this. Like yeah, we, do, we, we just dog it out and then we're done. Well, in, in Creative Block, there's um, an artist, a Canadian artist named Jessica Bell, and she's a good friend of mine. And she said, um, I asked, how do you deal with criticism? And she said, you know, like I, I 
I look for a nugget of truth if there's anything that I can use and, you know, maybe there's validation in it. And she said, and for the nasty stuff, she said, I usually just eat a bag of chips and sleep it off. (laughs) And I thought, that is awesome. You know? That is amazing. Right? And it's true. Like, there's nothing you can do. And I do love chips and they do help a little bit, you know? So, (laughs) right. Chips um, have a lot, guys. They do, especially with dip. Like, a little bit of dip goes a long way. So, my favorite combo is Cheetos, the puffy kind, yeah. Cheetos, and a glass of red wine. Wow. Hashtag yeah. classy. It's, it's classy and delicious. Okay, it's time to chat about our sponsor, FreshBooks. I have so many friends right now who are scrambling to do their taxes. They're going through years' worth of crumpled receipts and logging them, and it is a total mess. So what I really love about FreshBooks is keeping track of my expenses as I go throughout the whole year. FreshBooks has it set up so that you can automatically import your business expenses from your bank. You can snap a photo of your receipt and log log your expenses from your phone. And you can assign expenses to your specific clients for reimbursement. Um, And you can organize your expenses into the appropriate tax category as you go. So it's all about keeping track as you go throughout the year. FreshBooks makes it so easy so that you are not scrambling um, in March of next year. So stay on top of your business all year long with FreshBooks and try FreshBooks for free today. Go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Thanks for supporting our sponsor, you guys. They make it really possible for us to keep putting out as many episodes as we do. All right, back to Danielle. Okay, Danielle, I have a question. (laughs) So jealous curator, but I feel like you've made it big. And oh, so you also started finally sharing that you're an artist as well. Ish. So Mm -hmm. actually, I have two questions. Okay. One is, how do you find the time or even the motivation, like whenever you're so creative for a living with book deals and graphic design and all the things that you're doing and curating shows, I mean, you're spinning a lot of plates now. What feels like work and what feels like feeding your soul creative outlet or is it, is there a good blend happening? Um, I think there's a really good blend, but sometimes I feel very crazy. Like I feel, um, a bit anxiety-ish because my to-do list is so long and it's very, like, I feel like I have to shift gears a lot. And I also have an eight-year-old son and, you know, um, so I want to be the best mom and the best graphic designer and the best curator and the best author and the best artist. And, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And so what I've started doing probably in the last, just shy of a year, I had a huge meltdown at my last birthday, last May. And I was just like, I can't do it. I can't do it all. Didn't I have a huge freak out when we stayed at Alt? Remember I was going to quit Jealous Curator? Mm-hmm, uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I had <laughs> like a big freak out. And then I realized what I need to do is I, I now break my day into chunks. And so like today's not book day. So I am not going to freak out about the fact that I still have seven chapters to write because today is not book day. Tomorrow is book day and I will work on the book then. Um, you know... I, I do all the, um, I curate art for Land of Nod. I do their children's art collection. And so. So cool. Yeah, it was really fun. And so yesterday was my Land of Nod day. So I just was like, I'm not going to worry about 
the fact that there's a collage I'd like to be working on and that I should be doing this and I should and I should and I should and my garden needs to be weeded and I just it's land break of it into time. days. I just have to break it into chunks and even even just not the whole day, like even like the morning is X and the afternoon is Y and the evening is movie night with my family or whatever. And right. then it's just like, I have to just put it out of my head, all the other stuff. I mean, it's still static. It's still in yeah. there. You know, I know it's there, but it really helps. And so with art, my own art, I was just talking to somebody about this on the weekend that I can't just, Oh, I've got a free two hours. No, with my art, I need like a good 12 hour runway. And I need to know that like my husband's calling for takeout and I can just work right through if I want to. Cause when I get on a roll with my art, I, I just, that's, I become like OCD about it and I just need to do that. So I find it really hard to carve out 12 hours. Yeah. You know, like that just doesn't happen in my, the way that my life is set up right now. So if I can, I do, but it's, it's pretty hit and miss. And I just went for a run this morning and I was thinking about my work and it really is at the bottom of my priority list, which is crazy because when I do it, I enjoy it so, so much. Um, But then I'm so scared to share it because, okay, here's my super vulnerable thing. Ready? Oh, yeah. On YouTube, everywhere. I feel like as a jealous curator, my taste in art, I believe is exquisite. (laughs) I, I really, I, I, you know, feel very confident about the artists that I pick and, you know, but I feel like that's here and I feel like my art is here Mm. and I don't want people, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I should have better art. Right. So it's like the hairdresser that has bad hair. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And you're like, well, I don't want to go to her, but I love your art. (coughs) I mean, I know that that doesn't you know, mean a whole lot because I'm not an art critic or someone very important who can put your art in my gallery, but I can put your art in my house. Yeah. Um, well, and it's slow. Like I'm slowly starting to feel a little bit more confident. And, um, it's really funny because in creative block, each of the artists, after their interview, I ask them to give an unblocking project, like a little like jump start. What, you know, what do you do when you're feeling blocked? So they each gave one and they're fantastic. Have I done them? No. Um, am I running around the country telling other people to do them? Yes. So that what a freaking hypocrite. So I decided in January, I was going to do one, there's 50 of them. So I was going to do one a week. And then I was like, who am I kidding? (laughs) So I'm doing one a month and I was just going to do it myself. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll put it out to my readers too. So on the first Saturday of every month, I pick one of the 50, um, unblocking projects and I put it up and I'm like okay here's the assignment and then I actually Instagram what I'm doing and everybody hashtags it creative unblock and so I can see what other people are doing they can see what I'm doing and it is forcing me to a do it because everyone else is doing it so I better show up and do it and b put it into the world and it's been really good it's been really cathartic so we're just at the end of our third project I'll be posting the next one next Saturday and um, it's fun because it creates this little community and we're all kind of doing it together and they're all like really quick little fun projects. Like they're not meant to be final pieces that you would hang in a gallery. They're just little right. jump starters. So there's not a lot of pressure, but they have the couple we've done already have like totally detoured my work and I'm actually doing pieces that I never would have done before. And I love them, which That's is crazy. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like I said, like, 
this has all been so cathartic for me and like major aha moments for me. So I'm putting all of this into this new book as these aha moments occur. I'm like, oh, that'd be great for chapter four. Because if I can share this with other people, you know, hopefully they'll have those moments too. Um, okay, another question. Yeah. See, and I told we'll you I go, I go off on tangents. No, I love it. Okay. I love it. Um, my la- one of my last questions. I have two more questions. Okay. Okay, so the next one is, uh, is there anyone that you're jealous of right now? I mean, I know that you're jealous every day because <laughs> you post some beautiful artwork every day, but like in, in life, you know, and maybe even, maybe even in your boss life, because this podcast is called being boss. Mm -hmm. Like who are you jealous of that? You're like, Oh, I just want to be there. Oh, I have that all the time. Um, (laughs) one little step back though, is that I'm not really jealous anymore of the artists that I write about. That somehow transformed probably a year in into truly admiration and inspiration. I don't really get jealous of people anymore, which is really great. And I have a lot of people say, you know, oh, you know, you're promoting this, this toxic emotion, jealousy. And like, like, well, clearly you've never read the blog because it's nothing but like admiration and praise. And I always say, and Hey, it's catchy and the business cards are made. So I'm not about to change the name, (laughs) right? I'm really not jealous anymore. I really can find inspiration and, um, excitement about it. So now too, I was going to say, and we're going to do a whole episode on, um, like rocket fuel for people. Mm -hmm. And so you've also, you have become rocket fuel for other artists. Like you post about them and you've helped jumpstart their career if they're emerging artists or, um, so I think, I bet that that's a huge boost like that you're actually helping other artists be seen again crying at my desk like this (laughs) I had this one artist from Spain who emailed and said you know oh I I, am having a hard time even getting to talk to a gallery can you give me any advice and I went and looked at her work and I was like well first things first I'll write about you and um Anyway, it's led to crazy things. Sachi picked her up. A gallery in Vermont wants to rep her. Um, she was contacted to do a um, cover of a magazine in LA. So um, amazing. And so, and she's got quite broken English. And so she sent me a video. She recorded this video and it was just her studio and a little chair. And she walks in and sits down and she said, hello. And in sort of broken English, she just said all this amazing stuff about, you know, everything I've done for her and I'm sitting at my computer sobbing and my husband came up and hugged me from behind and he said and that's why you do it every day you know and it truly is and she has now quit her day job she's she's doing so well that she has quit her day job so that for me is really why I do it every day and the fact that like the internet has provided me this power like the fact that I can write about somebody and like potentially their life could change. Like, you know, they get suddenly get repped by a gallery in New York where, you know, maybe they're from like a small town in Ohio and now they're being repped by some amazing gallery in New York or Paris or whatever. So that is huge. Like that just, I always think I'm more excited than them half the time. You know? <laughs> um, anyway, what were we talking oh, about? Who are you jealous of? Oh, now I find that I am jealous of bloggers. Okay, so who are some bloggers that you are jealous of? Okay, well, here's here's like, oh, man. Let's put it out there. Okay, let's put it out there. Um, Admire slash jealous. We've made it yes. clear that this is admiration no, slash jealous. No, and a lot of them but... are my friends, right? Like, And I'm super happy for them, but, you know, you see them, they tweet something out, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> Why didn't I get that? Like Lisa Congdon, um, she publishes through Chronicle as well, and she just put up on Facebook today that her book um, – um, 
it got picked up by Target. They bought a huge, huge, huge number um, of her books, and they're already like sold out, which I'm so, so happy for her. But then I was like, so why didn't Target buy my book? <laughs> you know, which is so dumb. But it's a human thing to like, you know, yeah, see these things and be like, wow, that's so great. Oh. Well, I saw a John, like John Stewart of all people did, I think it was like a graduation talk and mm-hmm. he was saying, and this really changed my perspective on it. And it was my brother who told me about this, who my brother is a sideshow performer. Yeah. So he has his own like artsy creative block world going on where he can easily get jealous because right. there's some really amazing performers out there. And, um, Anyway, he said that he, he pointed me to this John Stewart talk where John Stewart says something about how someone else's success does not at all diminish your own Absolutely. journey or your own success, that there's, that there's enough room for all of us. And I think that we all know that, but somehow hearing John Stewart say it made me believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's very trustworthy. <laughs> uh, no. And it's funny because like, I'm not jealous in a, like bad way it's just it's more envious I guess like you know you hear these little things and you're like oh man um but but it's crazy I mean I'm so blessed amazing crazy things have happened to me and I even if it all stopped right now everything that's happened good enough like it's crazy I pinch myself all the time and so I'm not like I can keep it all in check now and I think because I'm writing about this all the time and thinking about it because of the book I've, you know, and gleaning information and advice from like watching those, you know, YouTube talks or a TED talk about it or whatever. I've, it's kind of like self-therapy, right? Like I've started to realize that it doesn't eat me alive like it used to. You know, I have that moment of, oh man. And then I'm just happy right. for her or whoever it happens to be that particular day. That is and a bad you thing. you probably I'm, just get back to your own work. I your do. Your own amazing, fabulous work. Yeah, I do. And, you know, and I am very conscious when I tweet out things that are going on with me that I don't want to make other people feel like shit, you know? Like, oh, oh, Oprah called. Like, I'm very, like, <laughs> conscious of not, not doing the look at me, look at me, because I don't want to make other people feel like, oh, womp womp. No, I'm going to call bullshit on that. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, um, there's a Marianne Williamson quote and it's don't make yourself smaller just because you, you don't want someone else to feel bad because no, shout it out. Oprah called bitches. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. just kidding. I mean, I still, that might I... make someone feel bad, but like, <laughs> I think that you should celebrate your own success. And I think that obviously your intention isn't to make people feel bad, but I don't think that you should diminish your own success or the things yeah. that are worth celebrating. I just, just think because... social media is so tricky with that though. You know, like I just, it can be such a, Hey, look at me, look at me venue. And so I'm very yeah. conscious of sharing that information and how much I share it. And I just don't want anybody to, I don't know, feel bad because of me. So I am. Yeah. But I, guess I, I get what you mean. It's, I guess it's like sharing both sides. And so it's, you know, one day Oprah called the next day, but I still feel like shit sometimes yeah. and followed by, let me help this other artist. You know, I think it is a like about the bigger picture. And mm-hmm. if you pulled any of those tweets or Instagram posts or blog posts out from the context of the whole picture, like, yeah, you might look snarky or you might look um, self-deprecating, or you might look like you're bragging whenever really the whole picture is that you're not. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
I don't know. I know. It's a funny, social media is a funny thing. That's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. A whole other podcast. (laughs) But in general, I think that I've adopted the idea that social media in some ways should be the highlight reel. And if you just acknowledge that and embrace it, then it's something like, let's all just celebrate each other and not to be Pollyanna-ish about it. Like I still get like, oh, sometimes. And anyway, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, Five hours later. Five hours later. <laughs> um, my last question is, like, if you could really, like, boil it down to one piece of advice or thought on how our listeners can live a creative boss life, like, what, what would you say? Um, a really big thing for me has been to just um, make like just be like these unblocking things have been huge for me. And just the idea of experimenting and playing around and just making sure that you have creativity in your life every day in some little way. And, um, that's what these little unblocking projects have been so great for, you know, there'll be like a little collage thing and then you're done. Like you don't need a 12 hour runway for it. And, but then it's sort of like being on a diet. You know, if you've had a really great day and you ate really well, the next day you don't reach for the cheese puffs and wine because, I did so well yesterday. So then you eat really well that day. And then you eat well the next day. And then you just start to not crave the junk. And it's the same with making. If you, every day, just do a little bit of something that, like, is a positive thing for your creative being, Mm -hmm. the next day you kind of crave to do it again and again and again and again. And then before you know it, you're just sort of living this creative life. I love it. Um, Danielle, real quick, where can people find more of you? Oh, well, my site is thejellscurator.com. Um, I don't know. Everywhere. Do you, have links, do you have links to everything else from Jell's Curator? Yeah, pretty much. The sidebar has everything. So all my social stuff is at the top. There's a link to both books. There's a link to the videos on Oprah. There's like links to all the recaps of all the girl crush stuff. So Stop that... bragging about yourself. I know. I'm oh. just kidding. Um, what else can I tell you of all the awesome things about me? I'll just tweet them out later and you can follow along. Well, we will include ways that our listeners can find you in our show notes at lovebeingboss.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Danielle. Thanks, you guys. I'm, I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, no you it was didn't. perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right, Emily, you want to do this outro? I will. Thank you for listening to Being Boss from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Chen. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like our podcast, show us some love by reviewing Being Boss on iTunes and sharing it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. Okay. Um, Can I ask quickly, you guys have awesome lipstick on. Can you even tell that I'm wearing lipstick? You look great. Let's just all duck lip it through the whole thing.